Welcome to the Classy Podcast by Class 101. I'm Angela Sun, and with me is portrait photographer David Saw. When was the last time you were photographed? The last time I was photographed was by another photographer. There's a couple of photographers I follow. I guess we follow each other on Instagram and uh, we finally met up. And he actually is a TA for one of my courses. And then we finally met up and he brought his camera. I guess that's what photographers do. We bring around our cameras and we photograph each other. So he photographed me for 30 minutes and it was really cool to see how other photographers just do their thing. Was it a random like impromptu photo shoot or did yeah, it have a theme? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very okay. impromptu. He just photographed me the way he sees me. All right. What's your first memory of seeing or holding a camera? First memory of seeing or holding a camera goes back to middle school time in Hong Kong. I lived about nine years in Hong Kong. And mm -hmm. in middle school, I started dancing, learning how to dance on YouTube. And I wanted to video myself dancing and then put it up on YouTube. So I don't even remember what camera it was. I think it was just like a really old point and shoot camera from Canon, maybe. It was just a family camera that my dad would use to take photo of us, uh, photos of us when we travel. And I was like, hey, this is pretty much mine now. <laughs> and that's my first memory of okay. first time holding and using a camera. Was there like another moment where you gained more interest in photography over dance making? Yeah, I think that's when there were more school events. This is after middle school, going into high school, I moved to Korea. And pretty much I was running around everywhere with a camera. I never thought I was actually any good at photography. I remember one friend having a nicer like DSLR that he would bring to school trips and he would take photos of everyone. And I was like, oh, wow, like you're really good at photography. And I was just really using my upgraded family camera for videos. But at the same time, I was bringing it around everywhere. And I started taking some casual photos of schooling events and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And mm -hmm. as I went down that path, I was like, oh, like, how can I get better? So I would start digging into YouTube and start learning about photos. And I would start getting more enticed for it. I got into street photography a little bit more just because Seoul is so cool. Uh, yeah, that's how I'd say I got into photography. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about you as a photography student before we dive into you teaching photography. I just want to hear a little bit about the period when you were a student of photography and practicing, taking a bunch of pictures. And you mentioned your mentor, Sue Bryce, in your Class 101 course, saying that you were inspired by her philosophy. So could you tell us what have you learned and how that has impacted your work? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that Sue teaches is really to do everything from photographing to with your heart and a lot of just tapping into your emotions and the human aspect of it. So I think that's the biggest thing I took away learning from Sue. If you think about posing as well, if we don't get to learn about posing, we think of, oh, what is posing societally? And that's to just strike a pose for a photo um, because that's something that you have to do. That's what we're conditioned to do. Um, as babies and then as little kids taking family photos, they say one, two, three, and then you strike a pose. And then as you get older, now you see what posing has turned into. People pose for very beautiful Instagram photos or celebrity photo shoots. And it almost takes out the humanness of 
like what posing is. To me, I describe posing as a way of uh, communicating. It's a language. It's a way to communicate whatever we're feeling, whatever we want to express, whatever we feel in our heart. But no one teaches that as posing. When would you tell a kid to communicate, communicate their feelings? Right? <laughs> 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 or these family photos. <laughs> so that's the biggest thing I took away from Sue. Everything came back to the human connection of things. And yeah, I think that's a big part of her uh, philosophy and photography. How would you describe your learning style when you were taking street photography in Korea and in high school? I joke around saying I graduated from YouTube University. Uh, <laughs> I'm finding a lot of similarities with a lot of other creative peers who have um, started their business. I'm finding people in my age, when I say my age, around middle school is when YouTube really started to gain a lot of popularity. It was new at that time and there was no guidelines there. So you just get the rawest form of videos. Um, lots of cat videos were being uploaded, but also just a lot of cool people sharing information for the sake of it, not for monetization or anything. I grew up in that time and got hooked to YouTube and just Googling things like, oh, how to start using a camera for photography. And I think there's something about growing up in that age. And then with my learning style, I guess something about being scrappy. There's something I want to learn. I'll look for it. And for me, I would look for it on YouTube. I'll type it. It was so easy. It gives you so many types of videos, so much to learn from. And I guess I'm a very like scrappy learner. If I want to learn something, I truly go out there to find it. And I won't really let anything else stop me from learning it. I just keep going down this rabbit hole, visually seeing and also practicing and implementing. I found a similarity between you as a learner and now as an instructor and also you behind the camera as a photographer and in front of the camera posing for the camera. Do you find a similarity between the two? Me learning and teaching? Yeah, you've been a photographer for years, but right. you had to learn to pose for a camera because right. you've never learned to do it. But right. you learning to pose in front of the camera helped you become a better portrait photographer in a sense that you were able to communicate the directions to your right. subjects. So like right. that positive loop of you posing for a camera and then taking photos behind the camera and you being a student and a teacher feeding one another. Oh. Does that make sense? <laughs> How interesting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry it took uh, so long to explain. Yeah, yeah this is a very interesting concept. It's interesting because I always say for photography, it takes two to tango, especially when it comes to portrait photography, it feels like it takes two to tango, right? You need two to dance when both brings a different energy to the table. And if you swap out your partners, it's different, it's a different energy, it'll be a different experience. So me learning to lead, right, as a photographer, but also being on the opposite end, letting someone else lead, learning that as well has definitely helped me understand the full holistic picture and allowed me to elevate myself more as a photographer. The teaching part of it is interesting. Me being a student and learning from someone who I respect and how I learn best, then I also want to teach in the way that they teach because that's how I learn. I guess that's a small parallel there. Okay. I was reading from your upcoming course, How to Be Photogenic in 30 Days, frequently asked questions. You mentioned how you've been a photographer for seven years. 
but you actually started taking selfies and self-portraits after COVID started. Do you mind reading this excerpt? This is such a strong story that... Yeah. You want me to read it out loud? Yes, please. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, Um, I've been a photographer for seven years before I actually started taking selfies and self-portraits. For seven years, I had zero intention of wanting photos of myself and possibly even a negative relationship to taking a selfie on my phone. And it wasn't until my eighth year during quarantine that I truly sat down and started taking photos of myself and realized what I've been missing out on. From a self-learning perspective, you will grow immensely in understanding your beauty and confidence. From a photographer learning perspective, you will grow exponentially by actually understanding what your clients, models, or subjects go through in front of the camera, and that empathy will change your game. You exploring self-portraits during COVID elevated the concept you learned from Sue, the humanist of photography, and solidified your voice as a photographer who uses photography to talk about self-love and self-care. As a photographer, it's the highest praise when someone feels good about the photo you took for them, right? If someone makes your picture, their profile picture, you feel great. That's one of the best Mm -hmm. feelings in the world. So if someone tells you that, oh my gosh, it's the most beautiful photo I've seen of myself, amazing compliment, and it feels very fulfilling. So that's something I've been always striving to do for my clients. It's only when I had that true experience for myself, what they were experiencing, was I then able to say, oh, this is why it's important. It's reaffirming myself as important, why I do things the way I do. And at the same time, learning that, oh, this is where I can improve because in these moments, I feel extra anxious or nervous. Even me packing my outfits the night before for my photo shoot the next morning, I was getting really nervous. And in my guide that I give to all my clients, it says, make sure you pack the night before, not in the morning. So you don't stress out in the morning, but then me packing my bags the night before, I was like, oh my gosh, this is also so really stressful. I'm feeling really anxious. So like knowing those things, and then now we've changed it so that I actually give them a call a day before the shoot, just to check in and say, how are you doing your shoots tomorrow? Sure. You're feeling all sorts of roller coaster of emotions, but like knowing those things, it just helps me elevate the way I can help my clients see their beautiful selves. In the first chapter of your class one on course, you talk about taking photos of your female friends and your sister. And they're like, oh, I look unflattering in your photos. But you're like, what? All the technicalities were perfect. And then you realize it doesn't matter that I tell them you look amazing if they don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. So you like mm-hmm. took it up as a challenge. Oh, I want to photograph people and I want them to look and feel their best. And I right. want them to see how beautiful they are, not just physically, but also emotionally. Was this episode from high school in the epiphany moment or did you come to this mission of helping people see and feel beautiful gradually of course you came to it gradually but do you care to elaborate a little bit on this episode in high school photographing my girlfriends more so than often it would be my girlfriends who would say hey can you unpack me from that or will you delete that photo of me on facebook albums or my sister telling me, oh my gosh, David, I look really big here when she's as as petite as I am. My whole family is very slim figured. And as a guy, like many other guys who didn't grow up socially in that setting, even now as well, we don't grow up knowing what beauty is. All we know about beauty growing up is, oh yeah, your sister is very interested in beauty. Mom is very interested in beauty. 
all the women are interested in beauty. But as guys, all we are sort of taught the extent of what beauty means. Do we even know what it means to be beautiful? Truly, I've only really found that out um, during quarantine, right? That's when I was able to say, wow, I'm a beautiful human being. So in that context, like I was very surprised that a lot of my girlfriends would say, oh my gosh, please take that photo off. Uh, or my sister saying, oh my gosh, I look really big here. Now I understand that. Right now, I know how influential and how pressuring the beauty standards of the world can be. But me having not known that, that's really where I was like, oh, why is it that they keep saying these things? Um, and how can these photos be such a negative trigger for them? That sort of curiosity was really what embarked me on this journey to um, learn that so much more exists beyond just me and the camera. At first it was understanding the standards, the pressure that people have in what being beautiful is. Why is it even so valuable to feel beautiful? Why is that even such an important thing? At first it was just even understanding that concept. And then afterwards, as you understand it, then it's about, okay, where do you find your value of beauty from? That's something I always ask my clients because I want to create an art piece that's beautiful to them, not the world. I might have a client who comes to me and says, I want to do this shoot for my boyfriend or I got out of a relationship. So I want to do this so I can uh, make him jealous. I'm like, hold on. What about for you? When's the last time you've seen photos of you? When's the last time you met the most beautiful version of you? I feel like you've lost that person way before you've lost this ex-partner of yours. So it's questioning where we define beauty for ourselves. You put it so nicely. And I think that voice has really resonated with people on social from interview with Dive Studios. You said you wanted to find your voice and you knew that you could only do that by showing your face and talking about your values on social media. So walk us through the process of refining your core value and delivering that message on social media. I think it's pretty daunting for people hearing that. So, oh yeah, put your face out there and then talk about your values. Like for a long time, I didn't know what my values were. Even now with my company, only now are we truly drafting up our actual core six values of the company. And like for myself, I truly don't even know if I have it for myself. The easy way I thought of it was, what am I passionate about? What do I talk to my clients about? What's something I talk and think about every day that I can share on social media and have a simple conversation? And that's how I was really seeing it versus these like bigger structured things like value. Yeah, if, if I think about core values, I never thought about that. It was really passion driven. What do I think about a lot? What do I question a lot? What am I curious about? And then I would just talk about that and share on social. You kept doing that consistently and then you were able to get to where you are sitting down with your team and defining the core values now, but it didn't right. come until much, much later. A lot of people have fear and insecurity about taking photos and you're great at creating a judgment-free zone where people feel safe and confident. I'm sure you do that with your clients when you meet them face-to-face. -face. We're also really good at it in an online space. Where does this strength of yours come from? I have... No clue. I, I think it comes from me being a big people pleaser. I think like middle school and high school, I remember being a big people pleaser. That side of my character would really peak at that time. Being a people pleaser gets bad rep nowadays socially. You don't bend over your back for everyone out there. But there's a lot of benefits from that as well. My senses would almost heighten 
and I guess we can call it empathy. And it would be really heightened in the sense of, hey, like, where can I help this person? Um, can their day be better if I help them in this way, even if it's a gummy bear pack or giving them a massage or giving them a compliment or sitting down and listening to them? I don't know if it was truly empathy. I don't think I saw it as empathy in high school. I just wanted to make sure that everyone was happy. Like I could be a source of happiness for other people. In college in America, maybe it was my second client ever. When I say clients at that point, I'm, <laughs> I'm just a budding photographer. I got paid like $70. See <laughs> money coming in at that point. I was like, wow, this is a client. I was really happy about it. It was like a couple for the first time. And I was photographing them and they were looking over at me saying, hey, what do we do? And at that moment, I really froze because up to that moment, I was always tinkering with my camera. I never really thought about what they were experiencing. And when they said, hey, what do we do with our hands? I never thought about that part. I'm just still tinkering away with my camera. I thought they would know what to do. I really froze then because I was like, I almost took on their awkwardness that they were feeling to myself as well. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel terrible. They shouldn't be feeling this way. It all comes back to empathy. And then how do I want to feel if I'm in front of the camera? When I go to different services, if I go to the dentist, I'm hyper aware about the service that they provide me. This one doctor was like, hey, just sit here. And I said, okay, I'll sit here. And he would say, okay, are you going to open your mouth or what? I'm like, what? What are you talking? Like, <laughs> I remember like barging wow. out of that place. I was like, yeah. this is not it. I'm hyper aware of that. Serving my clients and create this sphere of safety and letting people come out of their shy places and be their most authentic self, uh, which is hard to do in a celebratory way in the name of celebrating your beauty and loving yourself. To do that, I have to be empathetic. I have to listen. I have to be careful. I have to be tender to be here to serve them. It all stems from me being a people pleaser, which also somehow connects to empathy and being able to sense I've been talking to my friends about this these days. The moment I pick up my camera and start going to photographing someone, that's when my senses like really get heightened. I can tell the moment someone starts feeling nervous and awkward. As a photographer, I have to set the tone for them. If I set the right tone, this starts climbing really good. Like their confidence and starts feeling good. That beginning is very important. Moment I don't give them directions. And at the slightest second, I'm then feeling a bit of anxiety and uncomfortability, like it just tanks right away. They ask, they start asking me, Hey David, what do I do with my hands? And then they get even more nervous by asking that question. The moment I have my camera in my hands and I start photographing someone, my, my senses are just super heightened and understanding how my subject feels. That is super interesting. It's like your superpower. It's yeah. It's the one thing I would say it's my superpower, just being able to create that space and understand how the other person's feeling. When clients book a time with you, mm. are they usually celebrating something or is it to celebrate their beauty or what are some of the, if there are any like typical reasons that clients come to you for photo shoots? The thing with my portrait service is there's no real demand for it. I have to create the demand. What I mean by that is, like you said, like typically occasion, right? A baby is born, anniversaries, engagement, weddings, headshots to get a new job. If someone can walk down the street and say, oh my gosh, I need to plan a photo shoot for my wedding, right? I need to get a headshot. I just graduated. But no one is walking down the street and saying, oh my gosh, I need to go celebrate myself with 
beautiful photos of me. No one is saying that you are the occasion. There are underlying reasons clients would tie into coming to get photographed. It might be that they, be, they broke up with someone. Maybe they're on this journey of finding themselves again after being with someone for 10 years. Um, maybe they just got a promotion. Maybe they just turned 30. Maybe they lost uh, 10 pounds and they want to celebrate that. At the end of the day, it comes back to them celebrating themselves somehow. And sometimes they just love what I do on social media and they're like, hey, for once, I want to celebrate myself because I've never done that. The highest praise you can get is people falling in love with the photos you took of them. What are some other rewarding aspects of portrait photography, especially helping everyday people see their most beautiful selves? It's almost unlocking a new journey for these people because seeing is believing, especially as we get older into our later 20s to 30s, 40s, I'm sure into 50s, our perception of ourselves get more stubborn and stubborn. As we grow older, I think our circle of influence and our friend group gets smaller and smaller, but then they get closer and closer. And then there's many studies out there too. When you go into 80s and 90s, you might only truly have two or three friends that you really rely on because you're not going out there and socializing and things like that. You just really learn to have your preference and who is good to you. As you get older too, at the same time, the perception of yourself gets more stubborn and stubborn. I love to use portraits as a way to explore myself. And when I tell my clients, hey, I'm here to photograph you in all the ways that you currently are at the moment, but at the same time, person that you want to be and the person that you never thought you could imagine to be um, and literally anything. That's the thing that I can really help people see. Break out of that stubbornness. If you built this Lego castle of perception of yourself, every little moments that you have in life, someone complimenting you or someone giving you a bad experience, uh, building this Lego castle of yourself, I'm able to break that down for a brief moment and say, hey, I can turn you into literally anyone, whoever you want to be. And at the same time, this really fascinating thing about pictures is that when you really think about it, the image that comes up when we think about ourselves, what makes up that image is so limited, right? Because when do we actually look at ourselves? When do we actually see photos and images of ourselves is when we look at ourselves in the mirror, when we get up to get ready and we take that passport photo, cheese smile. Right? That those are the only times we can actually get ourselves. When are we going to have a passionate talk like this and then all of a sudden go to the mirror and start talking to ourselves like that? When are we going to get into an argument with a friend and then go to the mirror and start having the argument in front of the mirror? We've only seen ourselves in such a tiny aspect of ourselves, maybe like one or 2% of ourselves, mm -hmm. but everyone else in our lives have seen us go through the emotions that flow with motion of life. We've been happy, we've been sad, we've been angry, we've been passionate, we've been intimate, we've been sexy, we've been cool, we've been badass, all to different percentages. But at the end of the day, we haven't seen that version of ourselves while everyone around us has seen that. I get to show someone the holistic version of themselves. Hey, I know you don't classify yourself as a badass looking person, but you have those moments. People have seen that. I'm here to just show you that person. So that's the really fulfilling part for me, almost unlocking that for people to show them proof and say, I, I can actually be a really badass. I could tomorrow just change this for myself because I've seen proof. Yeah.
I can't even imagine what it would feel like to see their faces change, light up when they see the photos and actually see, like you said, the proof. Yeah. What was the last self-portrait series that you did about and who did you meet through that project? Oh, self-portrait. Who did I meet? I see. This is a very introspective <laughs> question. <laughs> it is. I was like, what do you mean? Who did I? That was a self-portrait. <laughs> oh, and I was like, oh, I see. I see. Very David saw kind of question. Let's see. My, <laughs> my last self-portrait was, was me without any clothes in a hotel room bed. It's very spicy photos of myself. Every year I do what I call a birthday suit photo shoot. Birthday suit as in like naked. That's my birthday suit. Very lovely time every year. Really cool thing about this is like, people obviously see the photos and they're like, oh my gosh, David. They're like, start an OnlyFans, too spicy. They're saying, oh, it must be a thirst trap and all this stuff. But for me, yeah, sure. Like I feel really good about feeling sexy and stuff, but the much more powerful, the much deeper thing is that you get really vulnerable when you don't have any clothes on, when you're photographing yourself without clothes. It's really tough. I'm on this soft love journey and there's multiple ways to break it down. There's the mentality part of it. There's a spiritual part of it. And then there's a the physical part of it. And when I started this project, I guess it's a project now because I do it every year. It's two years ago. When I first photographed myself, I saw so many flaws. And it was actually really tough to see. As a kid growing up, something I was always very insecure about was my chest. We call it in Korea, Hegazim. You see a lot of bones, right? There's not a lot of meat on here. And especially as a guy on the basketball team, on the volleyball team. It wasn't good. The last thing I wanted to be was like this scrawny kid. So I found a lot of insecurity from that. When I first did that project for myself, I, had, I worked out just a little bit. And going into it, I was actually really excited because I was like, maybe I'll see someone else for the first time. But absolutely not. I saw the same high school scrawny David, even though I worked out. So it was very disappointing. There's a lot of emotional roller coaster ride. A lot of disappointment, going from excitement to expecting good stuff, expecting difference, but then heavily disappointed because all I saw was still that scrawny high school kid. But the silver lining was going back to my photography fundamentals and treating it like what I do for my client. If my client was here, I wouldn't just let them see that and say, okay, we're done and have them leave. So I, I went back to sort of my fundamentals and said, okay, you still need to see that you are beautiful. Right. It's not about reaching a certain level of beauty and then saying, I'm going to do a photo shoot. It's not about, I'm going to lose X amount of weight to be able to take a photo shoot. Wherever you are in your journey, you are beautiful right. wherever you are. And that moment was truly when I learned from myself. I said, wow, I still came out of that photo shoot with all the most beautiful photos of myself. Actually, I have the photo here. Should I show it to you? I have yeah, it printed out. Yeah, yes. I don't know how well you'd be able to see in the light, but this is what it looks like. Oh, that's you. That's what it looks like. It is yeah. so oh, emotional. <laughs> wow. And the thing is, if I turned my body just a little bit, I would hate that photo of me. I would feel all that emotion I felt in high school with my insecurity. Mm -hmm. It's about choosing at the end of the day saying, hey, yeah, I'm not perfect. All these social pressure and whether I'm comparing myself to the social beauty standards or not, or whether I'm comparing it to myself, that's a really 
long journey ahead, being able to say, I am beautiful. It's my choice to say that. And it's the same thing with this photo. It helped me realize, hey, it's not about creating sexy photos. That was never the point of it. It was about coming to terms with myself and challenging myself. It's not easy when you're butt naked in front of the camera. You're at the most vulnerable state possible. To be able to create beautiful photos, even within that moment, is a really powerful transformational thing. So every year I have made it a thing to, on my birthday, get butt naked and <laughs> take some photos. What helps you realize that you're beautiful? So taking self-portraits. Right. What are the things? Are there like, it doesn't have to be related to photography. I truly think it has to come down to understanding how unique of an individual you are. At least for me, I'm at a place in my career. If someone asks me, hey, what do you do for a living? I can truly answer that by saying, I just do me. What I do is what I do for a living. All I need to do is just be David. And to be David means to keep following my heart, whatever I love, whatever I'm passionate about, whatever adds to my joy in life. And that will bring me on this beautiful path where it challenges me. It will create turbulence for me, but I will grow. And I've always been doing that ever since middle school. That's why I went from mm -hmm. dance to video to photos and to creating a business. I've always chased after my heart and chasing after my heart only helps me be more of me and grow me as a human being. And it lets me feel empowerment in my identity and my name and my studio. At first it was weird to have my name, my full just David Sun and a neon sign. I truly got to a place where I said, that is me. That is who I am. And I find a lot of power in that name because I've made that mm -hmm. name for myself. And I think once I you understand, <laughs> thank you. And once I like, <laughs> <laughs> once I truly understand how unique of an individual I am and how every action I do can possibly impact someone in a positive way, that is a beautiful person. Everyone is inherently beautiful and we have to see that because no one else is going to see that for us. You know, we can't right, wait right. for a stranger to compliment us. Is that when we feel beautiful? When we get an X amount of likes on Instagram? No, it can't be that. We have to understand first, we truly are inherently beautiful and we have to see it. Tell us a little bit about your team. We do a lot of cool stuff at the studio. We kind of divide it up into three different businesses. One of them is the Davis of photography where we serve our clients. The other one is courses. And then I also have my brand side of things. How can we cultivate a community through the social channels that we have? How can we create more experiences online and in person? How can we create products and things like that? I have Valerie, my executive assistant, helping me with whatever is going up on here and translate it into day-to-day -day stuff. I have Christina, who's helping me with the client side of things, making sure they're booked in um, and they're having a great experience. And I have Jonah, who is my digital specialist. He's everything video and camera. So if I want to create a long form video on YouTube, on more educational stuff, then that's the guy I go to. And then I have four. Her name is Four, and he's helping me with the how to be photogenic course because that's a whole different ecosystem. Yeah, that's my team. 
Where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? I know it sounds like a job interview question, but I'm really curious. <laughs> it's actually great because this is where I'm going over with my team. I think in five to 10 years, I want to take my photography brand, evolve it into something way beyond me, which is me serving clients right now, but I wanted to be instead a house of photographers. I want to take the dopest, coolest photographers in LA from around the world. We align with the vision of let's help people find their beauty and celebrate their beauty. I want to have that collection of photographers under my house. I want to be running a annual conference nurturing your identity and finding empowerment and confidence in your identity. And that doesn't only have to do with photos. It has to do with so much more. That could be finance. That could be career. That could be beauty. That could be relationships. I want to be putting on in-person experiences, bringing other people from different industries to align in that one vision. If there's a younger listener out there listening or watching this right now, soaking in everything that you just said, do you have any additional advice for aspiring portrait photographers or any photographers in general? Keep learning, keep soaking it in. That's why Class 101 is here. You just keep soaking in everything like a sponge and you just never stop. When you're passionate about something and you're chasing after something that you're passionate about, every scary obstacles will not seem like a scary obstacle. You will see that and say, oh my gosh, I need to tackle that thing. Let me go ahead and do it. Uh, but the moment you stop being a sponge and you let things like school get in your way, your job get in the way, you're going to find so many excuses because those obstacles seem way bigger, right? You're going to say, oh yeah, I don't have time. Oh yeah, I'm too stressed. I don't have the money. I have a relationship. I have a dog. And it's just going to be scarier and taller and you're not going to want to do it. You tackle it as a student of life and everything will pan out when we start asking these, oh, is this going to work out or is this going to be that? Ride as much as you can when you're passionate and just see how far that takes you. I think you will be pleasantly surprised where that takes you. And maybe it doesn't turn into a career. Maybe you don't have 5 million followers on your social platforms, but that's not what I had in mind. That's not what I ever intended it to be. I never said my success is defined by how many followers I have or by doing this interview. I always just said, I am in the trenches. I am helping people. I am enjoying what I'm doing. I put my head down and did that for seven, nine years. And now I'm here. I truly don't know how that happened, but the only thing I can say is I put my head down, followed my heart and my passion, and that's where it led here. And that's the only big advice I can give. You have an upcoming course called How to Be Photogenic in 30 Days, and you've had your course on Class 101 for a while now. So I just wanted you to go through the difference between the two courses and who would benefit the most from taking either or. The Photography 101, truly as the name says, photographers with a DSLR will benefit the most from that Photography 101 course. It goes into the techniques a lot from even just getting to know your camera, your DSLR and your mirrorless cameras. And it goes into developing you as a photographer a lot. How to be photogenic on the opposite end um, is truly about taking photos for yourself that you love. It's a very different journey. For Photography 101, as a result of taking the course, you will come out as a photographer who feels confident in what they want to do. It might realign your vision of who you want to be as a photographer. I truly talk a lot about helping others see their beauty as a photographer. Photogenic, however, is about helping yourself be 
that beautiful person from tackling the subject of how do you even define beauty? What does it mean to be photogenic to how to be comfortable and confident in front of the camera? And then how do you feel comfortable and confident? How do you take that photo for yourself? It's a very different course and that's how I would define it. Is there anything you'd like to add to this interview? I, I want everyone to know that they are absolutely beautiful and wherever you are in your journey of self-exploration, it is up to you to see and say that you are beautiful at the end of the day. And please, I implore everyone to go out there and look into different ways of expressing yourself and your beauty and your creativity, whether that's in portraiture, self-portraits, whether it's painting, singing, dancing. I think it's a beautiful craft that we forget once we get older and it's things that we would do when we we're younger, but less so now. And it's even more important to do that nowadays. So yes, please know that you're beautiful and fight for yourself, I would say. What an amazing message to end this interview with. <laughs> you are so insightful. I hope you enjoyed speaking with me as much as I did. Please do a little shout out on where people can find you. At the moment, you can follow me on my social handles, David Sa. That's David S-U-H on TikTok. I'm also right in the middle of acquiring the same at David Sa on Instagram. But at the moment, it's David Sa photo. It's soon going to be just David Sa. You can also find me at David Sa on YouTube as well. This podcast is produced by Class 101 and hosted by me, Angela Sun. You can check out David's photography class, How to Make Your Clients Feel Like Kings and Queens, on class101.co. Thanks for listening.